One of the things that I like about just reminding myself and us about our mission, why it is that we exist, is that right now we're traveling through Acts. And Acts really is the history of how this mission got started. Not just us, but all of this thing called church around the globe. This morning, this is our story. We have been following along in Acts chapter 10. And, you know, God has a way of revealing truths. And, and, and what we've discovered so far is that he's making his truth known to humanity. And he does that through angelic visitation. So an angel visits a man. That man's name is Cornelius. Cornelius happens to be a Roman soldier. And that angel communicates with that man, Cornelius. At the same time, God sends a vision to a Jew, a Jewish fisherman. His name is Peter, who is one of the original followers of Jesus. And in that vision, God communicates truth to him. And, and so through that angelic visitation, and then that vision, and then the curiosity of these two men meeting together, a Jew and a Gentile, in, in, in God's timing, God's revealing truth to all of humanity through, through those events. And the truths are these. There's three of them. One, God does not play favorites. God doesn't play favorites. And to be consistent, God's never played favorites. It may have seemed that God played favorites with the nation of Israel in the Old Testament, but actually what he was trying to do was to shower his favor through Israel to the rest of the world. God's always been interested in the world, not just one nation, not just one ethnos, not just one people. And, and Israel has a very unique place in human history, but it's not that they are it and that we should all become Israelites to enjoy God's favor. No. God poured out his favor so that it would go to the nations. God's never been partial to Jew or to Gentile. And through this vision and this visitation and the meeting of Cornelius and Peter, he is just stamping, he's making it really loud and clear, I don't have a favorite people. Everybody's my favorite people. I want my favor to go to everybody. Whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, doesn't matter what ethnos, what ethnicity you are, God wants us to know he plays no favorites. It's an even playing field for everybody. And God accepts everyone. As long as they fear him, they revere him, and they do what he wants them to do, then, then God said, that, that's, that's my people. If you want God, if you want God, and you're ready to do as he says, the door is wide open for friendship with God, for the blessing of knowing God, for his kingdom come and coming. And it doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you are on the planet. God accepts us. And God announces shalom. I'm going to stop using peace. Because the, our English word peace doesn't capture. We all have this pre-definition pre of peace. God's announcing shalom. Shalom is a loaded biblical term. Shalom means everything, everything is well. From the deepest part of me 
to the furthest reach of God's creation. Everything is right. And the, the wonder of our God is our God created this universe. And then our, then our God watched as our universe fell into rebellion. And in that moment of watching that, he said, you know, that's not what I had in mind. And so God has always been set on, I'm going to, someday I'm going to set everything back to the way I created it, which is best for all of my creation. It's best for all of humanity. I want to bless my creation by restoring it to what I had in mind, but even making it better. So he's been busy establishing shalom, and he's done that through Jesus. The message God sent to the children of Israel. Again, it came to the children of Israel and then through Israel that Jesus Christ, that through Jesus Christ, everything is being put together again. The shalom is coming. Well, he's doing it everywhere. Among everyone, Jew and Gentile, doesn't matter. He's doing it all over our globe. That's, that's what this gospel of peace is is all about. So God's revealing these truths to us. And we, I think as a community, we need to embrace those truths. And those truths are going to displace lies that we buy into. So get rid of the lies, hold on to the truth. And it's all coming through this conversation between Peter and Cornelius in our history. And the story, our story, is being told. So Acts chapter 10, verse 37 to 48. Peter is speaking to Cornelius, his family, his friends, Peter a Jew with a group, small group of other Jews, Jews following Jesus in the home of a Gentile with other Gentiles associated together. Peter tells the story. You know, all of you in this room know of what happened in Judea. It began in Galilee after John preached a total life change. Then Jesus arrived in Nazareth, from Nazareth, anointed by God with the Holy Spirit, ready for action. Jesus went through the country helping people and healing everyone who was beaten down by the devil. He was able to do this because God was with him. And we saw it. We saw it. Saw it all. Everything Jesus did in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem where they handed him, handed him over to be killed, hung him from a cross. But in three days, God had him up alive and out where he could be seen. Not everyone saw him. He wasn't put on public display. Witnesses had been carefully handpicked by God beforehand. Us. Peter could have said, me. We were the ones there to eat and drink with him after he came back from the dead. He commissioned us to announce this in public, to bear solemn witness that he is in fact the one whom God destined as judge of the living and dead. But we're not alone in this. Our witness that he is the means to forgive the forgiveness of sins is backed up by the witness of all the prophets. This is our story. Peter told that story 
in the home of Cornelius. And no sooner were these words out of Peter's mouth than the Holy Spirit fell. Fall on me. Fall on us. The Holy Spirit came on the listeners. The believing Jews who had come with Peter couldn't believe it, could not believe that the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out on outsider, non-Jews, Gentiles. But there it was. They heard them speaking in tongues, heard them praising God. Then Peter said, Do I hear any objections to baptizing these friends with water? They received the Holy Spirit exactly as we Jews did. And hearing no objections, Peter ordered that they be baptized, Gentiles baptized like Jews in the name of Jesus Christ. And then Cornelius and his family and friends asked Peter to stay on for a few days. Our story begins in a place on the planet called Judea. Now, if you, if you picture Judea, Judea is the, the southern third of the small land called Israel. And you, and you picture Judea, and then you look at the globe, you're thinking, wait a minute. Judea is such a small and insignificant place. Why in the world, when God wants to communicate to all of humanity, does he pick someplace so small and so insignificant? Well, maybe it was because of two things. One, God has a history there. God has been active in that part of the world for a couple of thousand years. God has been speaking with individuals along that fertile crescent. That's where God has been active, trying to communicate with humanity. I'm the creator. I'm God. I'm interested in you. I want, the, I want you to enjoy life to the max. So God's really been busy there. Also, have you noticed that that country of Israel, Judea, that's the crossroad of the empires. If you study your world history, like every major empire came through that land. So what, I mean, God's saying, I'm trying to reveal myself in the crossroad of the nations. So God's always been interested in getting his name and his message out to the nations. And then he communicates, not only in this small, insignificant place called Judea, he communicates to this guy whose name is John. John the Baptist. John the forerunner. And let's be honest. John shows up and he's a bit different. He's like kind of weird. Like he does, he's not like he's out of date. I mean, who wears camel's hair and leather belts? I mean, who does that? And then if, you know, I don't, I mean, I don't think any of us would have enjoyed going to lunch with John. Hey, John, what are we having today? Oh, a few bugs and honey. You know, I think all of us go, oh, you got to and, and, you know, and it doesn't seem to be very sociable. You know, he seems to be like out of touch with people. He lives in the wilderness. I just picture him kind of being disheveled. But in being removed, he seems to be so in touch. He seems to be able to speak right into the heart of people and, and especially religious people. Just, wow, wham. And he seems to be like, he seems to be a prophet of old. It's like he's been out of the old, dropped into the new, and yet he's talking about the future. And his message is amazing. He's saying, get ready. Get ready. 
You need to get ready because God is about to show up on planet Earth. So whatever you're holding on to that would keep you out of relationship with God, even if it's that religious stuff, you, you better let go of it. You better be washed of the things that would keep you from relating to God because God's about to show up. You see, his message was prepare the way. Prepare the way for the Messiah. Prepare the way for the anointed one. Prepare the way for the Son of God who is the King of God. King, he's the one. He's, he's the one coming. I mean, he's just fulfilling the words that God spoke to Isaiah. These words are being fulfilled through this guy, John. Thunder in the desert. John's that thunder. I mean, there's a storm brewing. God's coming. Prepare for God's arrival. Read it again. Look at that again. Humanity. God's about to show up on planet Earth. Your creator is about to step foot on the planet. Make the road straight and smooth. A highway fit for our God. Fill in the valleys, level off the hills, smooth out the ruts, clear out the rocks. See, if it's good enough for the kings of the ancient world to have new highways built for them to walk on without any rise or any fall, or any rocks, then our God needs that kind of road. Let's make a road for our God. Because then God's bright glory will shine. And everyone, every nation, all of humanity will see it. Yes. Just as God said. God's coming. And God comes. Jesus is God on the planet. God became a man. And he dwelt among us. Jesus is the anointed one. Jesus is the Messiah. We're not waiting for Messiah to come. Messiah has come. Jesus is the king that was promised by the prophets. He's come. And Jesus was anointed by God with the presence and the power. And he was filled by the Holy Spirit. And he did good. He treated people well. He treated people with dignity. And he also exercised his authority. He set people free who were exploited by the slanderer, by the one who lied, by the one who said, like to the woman caught in adultery. Or the prostitute. You know, the slanderer says to you that the only way that you as a woman who's lost your husband can get by is by selling your body. And Jesus is just saying, that's a lie. You've been exploited. You've been exploited by the kingdom of darkness, and I'm here to say no. That's an undignified way. There's a God who sees you with dignity. And I want to set you free from the lies of the evil one who's exploiting you. And I want, I, want you to, I want you to go. And I want you to be free to live life and to find provision in another way through a God that loves you. 
Jesus is displacing this kingdom of darkness that humanity has suffered under since the fall of Adam and Eve. And he's replacing it with the kingdom of light. And Peter is saying, we saw him. We saw him in life. We saw him in death. And we saw him after death. We saw him raised from the dead. We are eyewitnesses of the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. And there's 13 of us. I'm not the only one. Peter's not saying I'm the only There's 13 of us that God said, I want you 13 to see it all. I want you to see Jesus in his life, his ministry. I want you to see him in his death. And I want, I want you to hang out with him. Did you, did you catch that? Jesus comes back there eating and drinking with him. Wow. And then he makes his exit through the wall. Wow. And then God says, now that you have spent time, <laughs> I got something for you to do. You've got an announcement to make to this world. And it's a solemn testimony. So it's like all 13 of them stood up and said, we will tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And boy, if we don't, we're in big trouble. And this is their testimony. From their eyewitness account, this is what they have to say to the world. God Almighty, the creator of all the universe, the creator of all of the earth, the creator of every human being, God Almighty has appointed Jesus to be the judge of the living and the dead. We, we're only answerable to, to one person. Jesus. Jesus is our judge. Now it's interesting in this way, I don't ever have like weeks when this happened. I don't remember when this ever happened. But I had two friends this week that had encounters with the judicial system. And it was just like, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm thinking about this, and then I'm thinking back on my week, and I think, wow, God's timing is just crazy. But one of my friends attended a, a, a deposition. So he's being charged, and so he has to go and sit down with the attorneys that are filing the suit against him and with his attorneys defending him, and he's just got to kind of tell his story. And as I listened to my friend describe what that, dispos that deposition was like, I just felt like, by the end of the three hours of the questions, I just felt like all he wanted to say was this. I'm guilty. I'm guilty. Just take me away. I did it. I did it. There's just something about our judicial system that just piles guilt on us. I mean, we could be innocent, and I know our system, we're supposed to be innocent until proven guilty. How many of us have ever felt that innocent when we're, whether we're guilty or not guilty, it's like, we're guilty. We did it. I did it. I'm sorry. 
You know what I mean? Ever been there? The other was even more personal than that, friend, because it had to do with my dad. And my dad does have a criminal record. If you don't know that story, I'll tell you another time. And I'm really proud of him because, I mean, he, yeah, he did wrong. And then he paid for it. And in the midst of paying for it, Jesus rescued him. And my dad's not the same guy he was before all of that. But my dad had to, uh, he had to have a background check to live in a senior living place that's government-sponsored. And he was just terrified. I know what's on my record. So again, you know, you can have a record, pay the price, but still have it on your record and live in fear that I'm not going to get an apartment because I have a record. So, so when I say Jesus is the judge... From my experiences with my friend and my dad this week, that's where I go, oh, we're guilty, we're done, we're toast. But that's not what this means at all. Jesus is the judge of the living and the dead, and he has the judicial authority to pardon us to expunge our record that we don't have to walk around with the guilt of what we've done or not done or the record of the things that we've done. Our judge has the judicial authority granted by the court of heaven to pardon humanity for their crimes. As long as People trust him. I trust Jesus who paid the penalty of my crime to forgive me. I'm pardoned. That's the message of Jesus being the judge. He's introducing pardon. He's introducing forgiveness at a level that our world has never known and still doesn't know. This is the only way that you and I will ever have a clear conscience is for us to experience the pardon of Jesus. That's the message that Peter and the apostles were to deliver to the world. So let's just talk about us, 2,000 years now removed from that announcement. And I've got to ask you, do we as a community, I mean, do we really believe, I mean, really, really, really believe Jesus exists, that he exists today. Jesus is alive today. We believe, we trust in the record that we've been given of his life, his death, and his resurrection. We believe, we believe, and we believe he is near enough to help us in every way we need help. If we need a job, he's near enough to know that need. If we tear a muscle on our back, we know he's, he's near enough to help us. Do we believe Jesus exists as Jesus made himself known, not Jesus in the figment of my imagination. And are we convinced, like convinced, the apostles' disclosures of the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus are 
absolutely positively true. There's not a cruel joke going on. God charged 13 people. You will be my eyewitnesses and you will give solemn testimony to the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. Now, if you would think for a moment, step back from that, the faith that we're talking about has 13 witnesses. I don't know of another religion on the planet that claims revelation that has 13 witnesses. It's usually one person in a cave or behind a curtain. 13, friends. I mean, if you want to file a a case against God, let's let's, let's take this to court. I'm convinced there's, there's plenty of evidence in what we have that a judge on the planet would say that. It's true. This is a true story. And there's 13 eyewitnesses. But now we really get down to the nitty-gritty. Because if you believe that, do we trust in the judicial authority of Jesus to pardon our crimes? See, our other options are, I, 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 I'm going to just have to keep paying for my mistakes. And I'm just going to think of every way I can to kind of pay back. I, I mean, I know I, I know I messed up. I know I did wrong. And so I'm just going to kind of go through life with a guilty conscience of the things that I've done. And I'm just going to do the things that, that the opposite to try to make up the difference. Or you might lay it on me, you know, I know what you've done. And I'm going to always hold it over your head. You're never going to be free of the guilt. I'm going to make sure that you toe the line. I'm going to make sure that you never forget what you've done. And you will make it up. Or do we trust in Jesus who says, I know exactly what you've done. And I say, go and sin no more. Because there is no condemnation for you. You are pardoned. You are pardoned. Then I've got to ask, I mean, if that's, if that's what we, tr- if we trust in that, have we received that pardon? Do you have in your memory, I, 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 I confessed my wrongdoing to God and he pardoned me. He forgave me. Forgiveness is an experience. I thought back to the night that I stood up in Amarillo, Texas in a summer young life club and said, I want to follow Jesus. And I don't remember in the conversation that night about the forgiveness of my sins, but I know that that happened. And I remember stopping. I, 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 was, I was actually, I was AWOL from scout camp. I was working at scout camp. We weren't supposed to leave, but I left. I broke the rules. Sorry, God saves sinners. You get it? You know, usually when you're wrong and God saves you. So I was wrong, but we're making our way back. We stopped at 34th and Bell, and I very uncharacteristically jumped out of the car, ran around the car, screamed, because I was clean, because I was forgiven, because I was pardoned, and I experienced that. 
have we received judicial pardon from Jesus, the judge of the living and the dead? And then let me, let me just kind of add in, this is our message to the world. Our message to the world is not, Jesus is the judge of the living and the dead. You better fear him. You're going to go to hell. That's not the message. The message is, I showed up on the planet. I saw what you're going through. I did something about it. And now I want to pardon you because I don't want you. to go to eternity without me. I want you to be with me. You're my creation. I love you. I've done everything for you to enjoy me and us together. I, I, I want to pardon you. And all I, all I want, all I just need you to trust in me. Trust in me. Trust in what I've done for you. Stop trying to solve it yourself. Trust in me. That's the message we need to deliver to this world. It's not a message of condemnation. It's the message of salvation. And to deliver that message, we must experience it. See, that's the point of the Holy Spirit falling upon the household of Cornelius after they heard the story. Cornelius' family and Cornelius himself experienced forgiveness. Oh, that the Holy Spirit would fall on us, that we would experience the pardon of the ruler of the living and the dead. Would you like to stand with me? Jesus, it amazes me that you have done all the work. And all you're asking us to do is to trust in what you have accomplished for us. And in acknowledging that you have done the work, that you have, have, have done the hard work that we can receive now the gift, the gift of forgiveness, a pardon for our sin. So Holy Spirit, help us. Just as you came upon that, that family in Cornelius' household, those Gentiles that were seeking to know you, fall on us so that we too can receive in this moment pardon for our wrong, wrongdoing, that we could receive the cleansing of our conscience, that we could, oh Lord, receive the salvation, the forgiveness that you want to bring to us. Holy Spirit, cut through all the religious junk that we've heard through our lives about what we must do or whatever, just come now. Holy Spirit, come. 
that we might receive pardon. When we confess our sins to you, you are faithful and you are just to forgive us and to cleanse us. So we confess our sin. We confess our wrongdoing. We confess our crime. We confess that we've fallen short. May we now receive forgiveness. And Holy Spirit, would you empower us to proclaim this message, the message, the story of the life, the death, the resurrection, and the pardon of Jesus to our generation. Send us out, Lord, with a message of forgiveness. Send us out, Lord, with a message of salvation. Lord, let, give us a bigger voice to drown out the voices of condemnation and judgment that seem to come from those that, that say they're bringing good news. Your, your news to the planet is pardon for all who trust in your judicial authority. Thank you for revealing your truth to us. Now make it real in our lives, in your name. Amen. I do want to invite anyone, if you uh, want to talk anymore or you want uh, additional prayer, then just, I'm just kind of mill over here. If there's, there's more than one, we'll have others come join us. But we can spend some more time talking and praying. Free. Free. You're off the hook. Go live life and share it with others. Okay? Thanks. Later. Bye.